Money Talk is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Welcome to Money Talk, the longest-running weekly personal finance radio show in Wisconsin. Annex Wealth Management is a proud member of the Barron's Top Advisor List and the Financial Times Top 300 List know the difference. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Spano and Mark Oswald. Morning, everybody. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Saturday, June 1st. I'm Danny Clayton. Mark Oswald is here. Derek Felsky and Dave Spano. Let's start with the week in review. Yes, sir. So here we are in June. The old saying of sell and may and go away might have worked this, at least for this month. May was not a good month, but we begin June 1st with new hopes, but it did not end well yesterday. Of course, Tariff Man uh, was throwing tariffs around again yesterday, trying to pull the Mexican government in as well. Now, it may be a negotiation, Derek, but we're going to have to find out. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, as a result of all this talk, uh, the month of May down about six percent. The S and P still up ten percent for the year after a twenty five percent advance off Christmas Eve. So I'm, I'm kind of view this market pullback as a correction. No one really knows how this is going to play. It turns out that the president did not take the advice of his his lead trade representative, Larry Kudlow. Apparently, was at a commission with a, something going on with his hip, so he wasn't able to counsel the president. The president just basically uh, tweeted the thought that they're going to start increasing tariffs on. Mexico until and when they help us solve this immigration crisis that seems to be bothering recently. And that is part of it. The tariffs are part of it. And there's no question that there might be some reciprocation back, you know, forget about Mexico for a second and talk about China, because that is a big deal. And it does sound like there are some companies that at least are on the on the target for the Chinese. And one of those is Apple. The conversation is if there's going to be some reciprocal agreement against, we'll, we'll find out, against Apple. We're going to have to find out. But one of the Wall Street firms said it would be a significant cut to their revenue. Right. I was just looking at you know how the performance of the Dow stocks were in May. And, and what you see is that the stocks that performed the best are the ones that are insulated from trade. Companies like United Health, Merck, McDonald's, Travelers, and Pfizer, Mark. But the biggest losers are clearly the likely suspects of, of serious repercussions between the U.S. and China trade wars. Companies like Apple, Dow, Intel, 3M, and CAT. You start looking at those indexes, though, guys, when you start thinking about where we were in December and then the big run-up in the first couple of months of the year, we were up 18% on the S&P 500. Now you're talking about maybe May not being so good. That's kind of natural volatility to the markets a little bit, and maybe that creates an opportunity going into the summer, Dave, in terms of rebalancing your portfolio, taking a look at what you own, and, get, and getting ready for the second half. Yeah, but you know, it's not. I don't think it is natural. I think what this is is a, perhaps the beginning of a policy mistake, and we've talked about this, hmm. that this is something that is self-imposed. This is just not the market trying to reprice itself. This is something that we're doing to ourselves. And obviously, a trade war is not good, Derek. Yeah, but there were great green shoots this week. For example, the semiconductor sector, which you would think would be you know, most hampered because most good chunk of their sales are into China. The semiconductor sector this week was, only, was flat on the week, even though the S&P was down 2%. The other thing that I thought was really interesting is emerging markets, which you, think would, you would think would really suffer from discussions like this, was actually up almost 2%. And this is a lot like it was was in mid-December before the market bottomed, the more cyclical sectors had stabilized, and it was it was basically the last to go. The retailer making new lows. Uh, even the utilities and real estate names in the last couple of days have started to flag. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for investors between now and next fall to, to really 
selectively choose winners that are likely to emerge. So let's uh, switch gears. You know, the Federal Reserve, as we all know, talked about four rate hikes uh, throughout 2019. Obviously, that is off the table. The great pivot has occurred, and now they're talking about a large percentage chance that we will see a rate drop. And we saw something from the sh- the very short-term yield curve this week, Derek, that, that suggested they might have to do it. Yeah, the, the bond market is clearly worried that a policy mistake may be getting made. And, and that basically re- results in an inversion of the yield curve, where the long end of the yield curve trades at a lower rate than the short end, which is what is controlled by the Fed. So now what you're seeing is the odds of at least one rate hike this year being 94%. And I was even more shocked to see that there's now the market believes are the 37% chance the Fed funds rate could be cut by 75 basis points by year end. So depending upon how these these trade negotiations proceed, the Fed is likely to act sooner rather than later, it would appear. So tying all those things together, when you start thinking about tariffs and U.S. companies that export around the world, and maybe at some point in time you start to see wages going down, where, you, where we have a certain amount of wage inflation right now, about 3%. If you don't see that because inflation starts to get choked a little bit, that might even get the Fed to move even a little faster. It, it certainly could. And, you know, the most recent GDP data for the first quarter was good, although we did mention that a good chunk of that was due to buildup in inventories, which could lead to a, a weaker second and third quarter. In fact, most of the forecasts now are for roughly one and a half percent. But, you know, as I mentioned earlier on our investment committee, you know, we're looking for trends, not month to month noise. And the trend in U.S. GDP and U.S. employment uh, remains strong. So if you were going to take on our trade allies, if you're the current administration, now would be a pretty good time because the U.S. economic foundation is much more solid than what they're confronting. In fact, this week we saw Germany's PMI was negative. We saw China's was disappointing. Uh, There's uncertainty about Brexit. So the U.S. economy's in a fairly strong position. It's Dirk Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. This is Money Talk Annex Wealth Management. It is 1013 at WTMJ. Our locations, Elm Grove, Mequon, Lake Country, Appleton. We're downtown inside the Fister. And then if you can hear WTMJ with this big signal, uh, we can deal with you using something called Annex Everywhere. And it is simple screen share technology. It's pretty darn amazing. So head to AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. It's a very quick process. Start June the right way. We're going to ask you some simple questions. We will not bug you. I promise you that. Um, and then the most important thing in the Get Started form is tell us about yourself because everybody's situation is different. And that's what's different about Annex Wealth Management because we always say know the difference. Again, AnnexWealth.com. Money tips that don't cost a thing. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. And we're back. It's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, Team Tech Trust, our website, AnnexWealth.com. Get that free portfolio analysis. Start June out the right way. It's uh, no obligation. It's an easy process. It'll take you just a couple of minutes to fill out that form. And again, at AnnexWealth.com, Danny Clayton, Mark Oswald is here, Derek Felskin, Dave Spano. You know, it is June 1st, and it is a good way to start. Mark, you made a really good point in the last segment about this is probably an opportunity to rebalance. Uh, you know, anytime you get a pullback, that is a thought. But I think you made a really good point there. Well, and I think your point, too, with the fact that this is not just a natural correction, but there's things that are going on in the market. You know, there were people in December that didn't rebalance. There were people in January that didn't rebalance. You start thinking about the markets then in January, February, March being pretty good, and the S&P got up maybe about 18% year-to-date at that point. Now you say, well, if I didn't rebalance at that point in time or I didn't take advantage of the opportunities, should I be doing that now in my portfolio? Because if May was a 
6% pullback from that number, that gives us more room to run. You start thinking about valuations, Derek, you're looking at the index now with the S&P 500 being 2850 or wherever it's at. And if you look at that and say, you know, if we're still marching towards 3,000 or higher at some point in time, would now be a good time to take advantage of that opportunity? Oh, I, I think that's exactly right. I mean, not only was the S&P down 6%, but the Treasury market was up 4 So, you know, you're, the safer piece of your portfolio is, has done its job. And now, given that 10% disparity, all of our rebalancing tools would suggest that, that now is a good time to do. In fact, we're doing some of that selectively on Friday. In addition, between sectors, you know, the tech sector, had a really good run, uh, but as I mentioned in the prior segment, you know, healthcare is holding up a lot better uh, with Joe Biden leading in the polls. Fears of a, an overhaul of you know Medicare system, the like, seems a little bit less likely than it did in the past. So, as companies like United Health, Merck, and Pfizer demonstrate by their performance, investors are coming to the conclusion that their fundamentals currently are more important than thoughts about what the political landscape could look like a year and a half from now. We did talk about this in the last segment, but I, I want to get to this point. Is that we did see a very short term inversion, the three month and the 10, and that's something to pay attention to. But as uh, you like to say, it's predicted seven of the last four, right? So it's every inversion does not have a recession connected to it. But we have to see why that is happening. One of the reasons why we think it could be happening is what's happening overseas, particularly in Europe, and what's happening with the boon and everything else and all the elections. Is money coming over here to the United States and pushing yields down? Well, it's pushing yields down and the dollar up, which also has, has the impact of reducing inflation here. For example, this this past week, yields on the 10-year German Bund went to minus 20 basis points. And Dutch tenures turned negative for the first time since October of 2016. You know, some people are hearing this and going, negative yields, are you serious? But it, it, the, yes, that is exactly it, what's It's absolutely happening. true. And I was even more shocked to see that Greek five-year debt is trading below U.S. five-year debt. So the fixed income markets are pricing in a very you know low inflation environment, a, a period of extraordinary sluggish growth. And that, again, points to the advantage that the United States has, where our economy is, is acting a lot better, with 70% of it consumer-driven and the an unemployment good mark and you know job openings plentiful so it's a very interesting time to be a global investor when you start thinking about rebalancing and we talked about that in this segment a little bit and then we start talking about rate cuts does that scare you off from the standpoint of an investor you start do you start looking at the duration of your bonds again on what kind of fixed income you have in your portfolio Dave you and I've talked on this show for decades now about the fact that not all f- fixed income products are created equal and different bonds and different products act differently in different interest rate environments. So if indeed we are going to see a rate cut, or if the Fed does nothing at this point in time, when you're doing your rebalancing, one of the things you should be doing, and if you're not equipped to do it yourself, get a professional, fiduciary professional to help you with it, is looking at the kind of fixed income in your portfolio, because they will act differently in different interest rate environments. It is Mark Oswald. It is uh, Money Talk Annex Wealth Management at 1021 at WTMJ. Coming up next, Jason Gennier is a full-time law enforcement person, but he is also a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, so he knows the Wisconsin retirement system forwards and backwards. If you work for the government, if you're a public employee, maybe you're even a teacher, this is a great segment. It's next on Money Talk. 
from simple investments to stock advice. Back to Money Talk with Dane Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Now the difference, it's Team Tech Trust, and this is a team segment, another example of just how deep the team at Annex is. Welcome back, Jason Gadir. Hi, Danny. Besides being a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management, you have decades of experience in law enforcement. You've got a strong expertise in government and public sector employees. You speak the language. That's correct. It's you know, unique occupations in government employees with those pensions. It's a little bit different financial planning to those that aren't as fortunate to have a pension. For sure. You spent a fair amount of time with clients who are in the WRS or the Wisconsin Retirement System. Let's start there. Quick explanation of that. Yeah, the Wisconsin Retirement System is, you know, one of the largest pension systems actually in the world. I think it's in the top 10 just in the United States. And it supplies um, pensions for government employees, teachers, policemen, firemen, city workers, DPW workers. So most people, if you're a government employee, are probably part of the Wisconsin Retirement System. And it's well regarded. Yeah, it's well regarded. It's actually one of the first public pension systems in the United States. Back in the progressive area, it's very well run, very well managed, and it provides both uh, security for retirees and those that are planning it being retirees at some point. So we like it in Wisconsin. That's correct. So WRS pension benefits generated from three sources, the employee contributions, the employer contributions, and then the investment earnings. The investment earnings provide about 75% of the benefits paid. Who oversees the investment policy? It's actually the state of Wisconsin investment board. It's called SWIB. They actually manage the WRS, so the pension is managed by SWIB, and they do a very nice job of managing the pension and getting um, you know, realistic investment returns. That's key, right? The realistic investment returns? That's, that is key. I mean, there's been a lot of pension systems throughout the United States that don't do a very good job. They take maybe undue risk. There's been some uh, in the news on Dallas, City of Dallas, Dallas Police Pension Fund had some problems with aggressive real estate investments that turned sour and that causes problems for those retirees. So in the main newsletter from WRS, the lead article was about the Wisconsin retirement system annuity adjustments being set for this year. The core annuity adjustment, it was flat. The variable fund reduced by 10%. Walk us through that and what retirees need to know. What happens when the reduction comes through? Let's say you have a pension that's $3,000 per month. You work for you know, 25, 30 years, it's $3,000 per month, and you have it in the core. That amount is guaranteed. So even if the core were to go down, like you said, last year was 0%, so it was flat. But if it, there's been years where it went down slightly, your annuity will always be at least 3000 Now, over time, it'll grow by whatever the core is, or if you had money, whatever the variable is. The variable is exactly the way it's described, much more variable, much more volatile. It's invested in um, almost 100% equities, I believe, so stocks. So it has more potential for growth, but also more change in your paycheck every month as a retiree. What would you say the percentage is between variable and core? Have you seen anything like that? You know, that's a good question. It's I would say it's probably a good mix, half and half, from clients I've worked with and people I've seen in the past. Some people have been in core the entire time. Some have been in core and variable. And you can also get into the variable and get out of it one time, only one time. So once you make that election to get out of the variable, you're no longer in it. You can't jump back you know, in and out because obviously it's a pension and SWIB wants to be able to have some type of consistency on contributions. Is there a time during somebody's retirement or during somebody's career that they should choose to get in or out? Or, or do you... As you near retirement, near leaving your occupation, it's a good time to start evaluating that variable versus core question. I tend to advise people to wait towards the end of the year because when you get out of the variable, it takes effect on December 31st. And you know, why make a decision in May what the market's doing? You might as well wait till late December to see, you know, what you think the variable is going to return. Because you can get a pretty good idea how the variable and the core are going to perform because SWIB updates investors with that. 
and you can actually just watch the markets and get an idea what those returns are going to be approximately. Jason Guineer is a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Also, he comes with decades of experience in law enforcement, so he speaks the language, speaks both languages, really. Hey, Jason, when it comes to public and government employees, and based on your background as law enforcement, as well as an investment professional, what do you like to see built into a portfolio besides the pension? Because it's probably not a great idea just to rely on that. Let's say your pension, you leave employment and it replaces 50, 60% of your income, kind of a normal percentage depending on how many years you have in. You still have 40% to make up. You know, maybe you factor out Social Security, you're not paying in, maybe you're not saving for retirement, maybe it's still 35 or 40%. So you want to make that up by either working, you know, reducing your debt or potentially that deferred comp or Roth IRAs or investments. If you plan and you have those investment piece, that's going to supplement that pension. Do you see the younger officers or the younger public employees? Do they realize this as they're coming up? I think it's a mix. It's like anything. You know, some people know right away they get into um, saving. Other people need to be coaxed. There's usually a few people around the shop, myself included, that try to convince people, hey, why don't you start putting into, you know, deferred comp or a Roth IRA now? At least get the ball rolling. Even if you can only afford 50 bucks a paycheck, 100 bucks. The point is you've started that habit and you can continue to add to that over time. But you're kind of rare, right? You've got this background. You're sitting across from a client. They might finally feel like they're working with somebody that can understand them. Yeah, I've been, you know, I've been in Annex six years. And as a CFP, you have kind of that piece of the investment, the knowledge of how to work with people. But understanding their benefits as well. Because a good portion of the advisors outside of here don't have that knowledge to understand the pension. City of Milwaukee employees have what they call the global pension settlement, which is a lump sum pension. There's different pieces, and they actually have a different pension system altogether. There's different pieces to figure out when you're working with clients. Again, when we talk about team tech and trust, this is the team part, and this is the team of experts. Jason's your guy if you're a public or government employee. Thanks for spending the time today. Thanks, Danny. Have a nice day. Get professional help with your portfolio. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Now, the difference, it's Team Tech Trust. This is Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, website AnnexWealth.com. We are a 2019 top workplace for Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Uh, check out our opportunities at AnnexWealth.com. And also, if you've got a question for us, just go to the Ask Annex button. In fact, it's time for Ask Annex, Dave. It is, and we, you know, we do enjoy this stuff because uh, we get lots of questions, and we do pick, just pick a couple. But Ed writes, I will be 70 years old in September. I have 400000 invested with another company, mostly in the market, only 6% in cash. I personally would like to put it all in cash. What are your thoughts? You know, Derek, we've we've seen this before. You know, we certainly saw it around Christmas Eve at the very bottom. We had somebody call us and up and say, you know, I can't take the volatility. Let's go to cash. Obviously, that was the wrong move. It was. And, and, and one of the things that has changed between now and, say, three, four years ago is you can get 2% to 3% uh, relatively risk-free in the fixed income markets. And that is somewhat of a headwind for equities. But but when I think about that kind of situation, that's when I go back to this thing that we call the fear and greed index, which looks at a variety of components to measure what investors are actually doing. And it's looking at the underlying health of the market, differential and performance between stocks and bonds, sentiment ratios, uh, put call data, deviation from historic levels and advancing and declining issues. And right now, that fear and greed index, which was at like north of 75 early in the year when the market was ripping every day, is back down to 20 
23. That's a fairly low number. So that would suggest to me it's time to be looking to buy, not sell. In addition, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the semiconductors, which had led the market down, are flat for the week. Emerging markets, which had led it down, were actually up for the week. And many of these S&P stocks like Microsoft and Visa and the like, which have really strong fundamentals, have pulled back to interesting levels. So while I would never encourage someone to be a market timer, I would never encourage a person to be all out because it's very hard to get both decisions correct. You know, Mark, we have been dealing with investor psychology for a long time. And when you come in as a client, there is a process that we go through to try to measure your your risk tolerance, your tolerance for risk, however you want to say it. Uh, and that's one of the first things that we go through. And we, there's a reason why we do that. Well, for sure, because we know that there's people out there who got into cash in 2008 and never got back into the markets. And so there, you know, you think about people who have the, psych, the fear psychology. You look at the two emotions, fear and greed, and I think you're always trying to balance those. But to the exercise, Dave, is really, really taking a couple of different tools, a couple of different approaches to it, asking thoughtful questions to try to measure risk. How would you feel if this happened? And then measuring it almost like an eye test. You know, you're, char- you're changing A and B, just a slight thing and saying, what's your reaction going to be if this happens in the market? What's your reaction going to be in that in instance in the market. And then we're taking our portfolios, our model portfolios, and we're trying to match those scores up. So if you think about a speedometer, if you're measuring between a 45 and a 55, let's say, on a speedometer, that's your comfort range. That's your cruising speed between 45 and 55. We're going to put you in a portfolio that's going to match that cruising speed. Every once in a while, we say it's okay to be up on the upside of 55. And there's other times we're going to say you want to be down on the downside of 45, depending on the conditions, just like if it was raining or snowing. So looking at that thoughtfully as a couple, as a family, and not doing it account by account, but by household by household, looking at all of the assets in your portfolio, whether it's in your 401k or your 403b, your brokerage accounts, your, your cash assets, putting that all together in an aggregate view and saying, does this match your risk tolerance, your risk appetite, and your risk capacity? Okay, let's get another question. And Paul writes, when market is up and down, that's what it, that's what it says. Danny, don't correct my English. It says, when market is up, up, up and down, Will you let me know the best time to reinvest? Well, you know, when, when people come in and they have a pile of money, you know, we just don't run down the hill and put it to work. There is times that we put it to work and we try to find spots there. Yeah, we dissect out sector allocations we between stocks and bonds, between various uh, S&P sectors, individual equities and the like, look at valuations, look at what we think the upside target is. And, you know, sometimes the upside targets are fairly close and other times, like now, they've widened considerably. So we don't necessarily go all in, but we certainly try to opportunistically invest our clients' money, particularly initially. And by the way, there is a theme that that has always been around, and we talked about tolerance for risk, Mark, but there is a way to what's called dollar-cost average as well. That's right, and DCAing a dollar-cost averaging into, you're taking out some of the volatility, because if you do it quarterly or you know every month, you're putting some portion of that money into that, whether the market's up or whether the market's down. The average part is you're going to get an average price. You're going to start to smooth out the ride a little bit and not maybe put the money in on the wrong day and then the market corrects 10% and you're starting from that point in time. In a dollar cost averaging situation, even if you just did it simply half and half and that same thing happened, the second half goes to work when the market's down 10% and you've smoothed that out and you're having less of a decline over your overall portfolio. Looking for a quick and easy way to pick up seven weekly insights that'll make you a smarter saver and investor? Sign up for Annex Wealth Management's Axiom. The Axiom is packed with useful information, great articles and highlights from our radio shows. It's 
It's not complicated or filled with jargon and sales pitches. It's a tool for greater education and understanding of your finances. Sign up today at AnnexWealth.com slash Axiom and you're in. It's absolutely free and you don't have to be a client. The Axiom, A-X-I-O-M, from Annex Wealth Management. Team, technology, trust. AnnexWealth.com. Time is money. Make the most of yours with Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Know the difference? It's Team Tech Trust at Annex Wealth Management, another team segment. Hey, Ron Johnson's here, a senior financial planner. He's a CFP as well. Does a lot at Annex, but when there's questions about Social Security, Ron, you are the go-to guy. Welcome back. Thanks, Danny. Hope that's okay. You're the go-to Social Security Yeah. <laughs> All right. You wrote a piece recently in the Annex Wealth Management newsletter, the Axiom, titled, What's the Future of Social Security? A CFP's Opinion. And that's a hot topic right now because there's a lot of doom and gloom. People are worried about it. They hear that it's going to run out of money. So what was your starting point on that? Honestly, Danny, I think that it's a little bit overblown and and we can talk about why. I think the scenario that typically the media paints is, is a little too doom and gloom. There are certainly issues, but I certainly think that when you're looking at long-term planning for retirement, Social Security is certainly going to be a piece of that in the future. Check me on this, but our position at Annex is that Social Security should only be a part of a retirement plan, right? But when it's something we've been paying into, we kind of expect it to be there when we decide to start taking those benefits. What's that magical number, the 2035? That's the year 2035. What is supposed to happen then? Right. So everyone's heard about the Social Security Trust Fund. And what that is, is a giant reserve fund. Each year, we all pay taxes in. And those taxes go right back out to pay current Social Security benefits. What is left over goes in the trust fund. It's kind of like a rainy day fund for Social Security. That fund is projected to be depleted in 2035. I'm doing the math. Okay, 2035. Not great for me. Me either, Danny. What happens in 2035 when that fund is is depleted? They project that in 2035, current tax receipts will still fund about 78% of current Social Security benefits. So there's going to be something there regardless. It's just a question of how do we bridge that gap? Is it catastrophic? No. Does Congress need to take action? Yes. Take us through some of those. Let's look at what they've done in the past. So there's several things that they've already done to improve the prospects of Social Security. They've gotten rid of a couple strategies. The first one is file and suspend. Now, I'm not going to go in the weeds of what that is, but essentially it's going to improve the prospects of the fund, right? They put more revenue back in the system by getting rid of that strategy. They're currently phasing out what's called the ability to file a restricted application. And again, that's going to improve prospects of Social Security. And they've been continually raising the full retirement age. Our fathers were able to retire at 65 with full Social Security benefits. Now, for most of us, the full retirement age is 67. And how about payroll taxes? They gonna they might be something there too? Yeah. So if we look at the levers that Congress can pull to, to improve the prospects of Social Security, they certainly can increase that tax. Right now, it's 6.2% of the first $135,000 that you earn. They can continue to increase the full retirement age. For me, it's possible that Social Security full retirement might be age 70. Who knows? But it's certainly not unheard of. And then they can continue to increase what's called the Social Security wage base. And that's the amount of wages that they actually tax for Social Security. So I mentioned that the um, the maximum that they tax is your first 135000 earnings. They can continue to increase that. So those are some of the options that they have available to them. 
Now, the question is, you know, will they? And I always make the point that Social Security is a critical, a vital component to our social system. They're projected to be 50% of our population that's completely dependent on this program. It can't go away. It would be economically catastrophic for that to happen. So I believe that Congress will take action. In fact, Right now, it's floating through Congress, actually in the House of Representatives, as H.R. 1902. It's called uh, Social Security 2100. And what this proposes to do is two things. First of all, it'll tax the first 132,000 wages, but it will also tax wages over 400,000. They also propose that they're going to gradually increase the actual tax rate. They're going to move it from 6.2 to 7.4%. Now, they think, and and the Social Security chief actuary would agree with this, that these changes actually are going to increase that trust fund to the end of the century. So there are levers, whether you agree with that or not. I believe that Congress will continue to take action in some form, and Social Security is going to be there, and we plan on it here in Annex for our clients, and actually I do myself. I have Social Security in my own retirement plan. But it should not be the one thing. That's right. It's only a, a small component of your overall retirement plan. We always advise work with a financial advisor, a financial planner, to make sure all the pieces, when they're put together, are going to fund your lifestyle and retirement. Amen, brother. Ron Johnson, Senior Financial Planner and CFP at Annex Wealth Management, part of the team available to every single client at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Danny. It is 1049. It's Money Talk Annex Wealth Management. Oh, if you want to get started, it's easy. Just go to AnnexWealth.com. The first thing you're going to see is a good-looking retired couple, and all you got to do is click that Get Started button. Fill out just a couple of things on that form, and we'll be back in touch. We're not going to bug you. I think the most important thing that we do right at the at the end, rather, is ask a little bit about yourself. What is your situation? Because everybody's plan is different. We realize that at Annex Wealth Management. Local, trusted, fiduciaries, fee-only. It's Annex Wealth. Again, AnnexWealth.com. Don't settle for less. This is Money Talk with Dave Spano and Mark Oswald on WTMJ. Team Tech Trust, it's Money Talk, Annex Wealth Management, AnnexWealth.com, the website. Get that free portfolio analysis. Start June out the right way. Just look for that Get Started button. I found an article in the Wall Street Journal uh, last month talking about the biggest financial mistakes that retirees make. There is a number of them, and I, I thought we could shed some light on them. You know, One of the things that people underestimate are their expenses in retirement and the fact that we've seen a study that $280,000 is what's needed for health insurance cost mark and, and that's something that we have to pay attention to particularly as we get closer to the election and this conversation about Medicare is going to come up, come up again. Well certainly financial planning is not a set it and forget it type of a discipline so you can start to look at things politically and as as the landscape changes you change your financial plan and that's why the dynamic tools that we've created in our offices for our clients are really valuable because you can set the levers and say what if what if Social Security is down and you know my benefits are reduced I mean that we don't know that that's going to happen but and we doubt it, that's Gonna it's going to doubt actually. it's going to happen, but it's a contingency that you could start to look for. But you could look at it and say healthcare, and for instance, if if you're going to have a, a significant amount of healthcare expenses, what would that do to my financial plan? How long does my money last in that environment? So financial planning really becomes a really important thing. But for most people, it starts with a budget. It's starting, Dave, where you start to say, what are my expenses pre-retirement? What are my expenses post-retirement? What do I expect them to be in the first years, in the middle years, and in the later years of life? And sometimes. Sometimes, you know, you know what those are going to be, or at least you can estimate. 
But some of these things are, are what people go out and do, Danny. They What's the first thing they might want to do is go off and pay their mortgage. I think you need to look at that and put that in your financial plan. If I pay my mortgage off, which is a freeing thing, I, I it's certainly abhor debt. But you know, if you can do that and reduce that, what does that look like when you plug that into your financial plan? The second thing that people do is they, they run out and maybe buy a boat or go on a number of trips. You can put those in your budget, and these are the what-ifs that you're talking about, Mark. Well, you want to live life. I mean, at some point in time, you've worked really hard, you've amassed some wealth, and now you want to get to the point where you have your go-go years and then your slow-go years and perhaps ultimately your no-go years. But planning for all of those contingencies of saying, you know, and you don't have to know what life is going to look like 25 years from now. I think that some people have that failed view of the future of, of their financial plan is you're asking me what my life's going to look like 25 years from now. No, we're not. We're just saying... 25 start, minutes is a problem yeah, Exactly. Start to dream for now what that might look like, and then as things change, that's the point we're trying to make, is financial planning is dynamic, and the fact is that you need to have those tools to be able to make those what-if scenarios and make some adjustments on the fly. And then the other uh, mistake that people were making was investing too conservatively, and you go, well, how can that possibly be? But the fact is life expectancies are continuing to increase. In fact, if a couple gets to age 65, there is more than a 50% chance that one of them is going to get to age 90. That's and why, therefore, that's, you have to plan for that. For, for sure. So longevity is one of the issues that people have, is starting to think about when it used to be that you know, you'd get to 65 and your life expectancy was five more years and you had a fixed pension and Social Security, that was probably enough for a lot of people. The fact is now that you could live longer in retirement than you did in your working years, potentially. So you have to think about looking Looking at your short-term money, your intermediate-term money, and your long-term money. We've talked on the show before, Dave, about this bucket theory about having two years, perhaps, of ready cash that isn't going to be impacted by the stock market if something happens, and then having that second bucket that trickles into the first bucket, and you're starting to take dividends into consideration there, or interest into consideration, or capital appreciation into consideration, and filling that first bucket again. Then you got the long-term bucket, and that's the one where you can be too conservative in some cases, and to the detriment of your financial plan. And by the way, you know, everyone's situation is different. And that's the reason why we do these financial plans. I mean, people's own health history or their own family history are part of this. And so that's the reason why you have to sit down and go through this process and sit down and and figure out what it's going to look like, where the assets, where the liabilities, what are the expenses and all of that comes into play. How do we get that done, Mark? Well, you start with that free portfolio review. And the two things that we've really always offered on this show is that free portfolio review and the framework for financial plan. As a fiduciary, we believe in it so dearly that we give it away. There's no obligation. It's complimentary. You come in and see if it's a good fit. Take a look at your portfolio. Gather all those papers together. We understand some people bring them in a Sendix bag. Some people bring them in a shoebox. Whatever the case might be, we will take them through our central planning department and analyze those documents and say, this is a true look at your current portfolio. This is point A, regardless of where that point is for you and your family. And then it's about how do you get to point B? That's the framework for a financial plan. So putting those two things together, the free portfolio review and the framework for a financial plan is a start down the path of a thoughtful financial plan. And you can start today, right now at 1058 in the morning on Saturday, June 1st. Just go to AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. We'll collect just a 
couple of pieces of information, mostly contact stuff. Most important thing at the end, tell us a little bit about yourself because everybody's plan is different. Again, the website is AnnexWealth.com. want to mention an upcoming uh, seminar that you're going to want to be at. It's called Destination Retirement. Are We There Yet? happens on the 13th. So that is a week from Thursday at our Elm Grove location. You can sign up for that at AnnexWealth.com. Thanks for listening to Money Talk. We will see you in a week. Advice and opinions expressed during Money Talk are solely that of the hosts or guests of Annex Wealth Management and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC.